Engage quantum drive. Hey now, and welcome to Quantum Drive. I'm Rob. I'm Katie. And our ongoing mission is to discuss every episode of The Orville. Today, we'll be discussing Season 3, Episode 10, Future Unknown, which was written and directed by Seth MacFarlane. We do have a new review this week. (gasps) This one comes from our friend Brandon. Ooh. Who says, this podcast is neat. The Orville is a great show, and this acts as a wonderful companion piece. As much as I love learning about the universe in the show, I also love learning interesting facts about how it is made and the insight on the social commentary. I'm very pleased to see the success of the podcast and watch the hosts interview the Orville cast. Great job, Rob and Katie. Thanks, Brandon. Brandon's pretty great. Brandon is pretty great. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm I'm always glad that people who, I mean, I know Brandon from my Twitch community mm-hmm. and has, I've worked with Brandon. Brandon is a very talented musician. But just the fact that people listen to this and enjoy it and enjoy what we talk about, the social commentary and the fun facts. I I try to find good fun facts, so I'm glad people like them. Yeah. If you too would like to leave a review, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star written review, and there's a good chance we'll read it on the show. We do have an email as well. There are, again, several emails, and we will come up with a way to answer all of those in the future, but we'll answer this one right now. Okay. It starts off saying, Hi there, Quantum Drive. My name is Amethyst Westfall. And first of all, wow, that is the coolest name. <laughs> Honestly, also Amethyst is my birthstone, so I'm riveted. I'm riveted already. Go. And I would like to congratulate you for your one-of-a-kind podcast. By now, you must realize that there are many of us thoroughly enjoying what you have created with Quantum Drive, and your conversations really complement the whole Orville franchise. What I adore most about you two is that you approach the Orville series and sci-fi as it should be approached, potentials for the future. If we are honest with ourselves about becoming galactic citizens and traveling the universe, meeting other galactic races is inevitable after a certain period of time. And I am sure we all agree on that, so we should all build our amazing future with innovative ideas and breakthroughs. I love your open-mindedness about this matter, and how you discuss all events and plots of the Orville series as a potential part of our own future. Sending both of you a big hug from Sedona. Thank you for that. I'm really glad you've been enjoying the show. And I mean, I think we do a deep dive into the episodes and really pick apart things and like investigate. And if we are heading into a future like this, it's kind of neat to speculate what that might look like. Yeah, let's hope our future looks like this and not Other ways it could go. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit of a spoiler, but like this episode is very hopeful. So let's hope that the future is very hopeful in that way. Yeah. Final note, I admit that up to the last episode, I was slightly annoyed by Dan in the series. However, (gasps) this last episode convinced me otherwise. And I had to realize that his lines are just too good. Team Dan, all the best to you too. Yes. Thank you, Amethyst. One of us. Team Dan, I have to say, Dan hasn't been around much this season, so the little sprinklings I've gotten are satiating me. But I mean, I do miss, I miss Dan. Still not a Dan fan, but it's fine. I love Dan. (laughs) (laughs) If you two would like to send an email to us, and again, we'll have a plan for those in the future, you can send an email to quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. You can follow us on Twitter at quantumdrivepod. You can join the Discord at thegeekgeneration.com slash discord. And if you'd like access to Mark's alternate one-sentence reviews, you can support the show on Patreon at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Before we get into the episode, Katie has trivia. I do. Up first, there is a song at the beginning when Isaac is taking care of tasks around the ship. And that song is called Bachelor in Paradise by Henry Mancini and Mac David. It was nominated for an Academy Award in 1961 and was written for the movie of the same name that starred Bob Hope. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I had a feeling that was the name of the song just from the lyrics that I was hearing, but I had no idea who the singer was. I'm a Family Guy fan, and the beginning of that song sounded so much like the orchestral stuff in Family Guy. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, no, this is like a legitimate song from a movie. And I thought it was like written for the show at first. Mm. It had that same vibe, I thought. But yeah, I thought that was interesting because apparently this movie is fairly popular and has won a bunch of awards. And now I kind of want to watch it. I think it's a comedy. I would think so with Bob Hope. Yeah. I was like, I think I might have to add that one to the list just because it sounds like a fun time and it won awards. So also in this episode, the Orville is heading back to Sargus 4, which was the planet that uses a voting system of popularity for its inhabitants and was featured in the episode Majority Rule from season one. Yeah, my favorite episode from season one. So very happy to see things come back from that. Yeah, she even uh, threw the voting badge onto the desk at one point. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, that was such a good episode. It was very Black Mirror. And I absolutely loved it. Yeah. There's a song that Gordon sings at Isaac and Claire's wedding. I need to emphasize that. And that song is called The Secret O' Life by James Taylor. And it first appeared on his 1977 album entitled JT. I picked up on the fact, even though I'm not familiar with James Taylor's entire catalog, but just Mm -hmm. the fact that it was a James Taylor song, because Scott Grimes does a really good job of capturing the tone of James Taylor's voice. There was one song my mom played a lot by James Taylor when I was a kid. And I was like, this sounds like a James Taylor song. And I was like, he even kind of sounds a little bit like James Mm -hmm. Taylor. So Mark's looking up on his phone. He's like, yep, it's a James Taylor song. So it was conveyed very well. And it's a very pretty song. I think I'm a fan of that song now. Yeah, it was a nice one to end the season on, too. Yeah. Also, there's another fun fact from Brandon Braga. The sequence with Bordas chasing Clyden in the woods was inspired by a show he is, quote, obsessed with called Naked and Afraid. I have heard of this show. I looked up what the show is about because I was like, we got to at least explain what that means. (laughs) In the show Naked and Afraid, complete strangers, usually a man and a woman, meet in a very unique way. They're stranded in a dangerous, desolate location without food or water, and they're completely naked. Each episode follows the adventurers as they attempt to survive on their own with nothing but a personal item and the knowledge that the only prize is their pride and a sense of accomplishment. You don't even win anything. It's a reality show. I should specify that. I guess you get a walk away and be like, I survived naked and afraid, but give them at least 500 bucks or something. (laughs) Some people will do anything for fame. On to guest stars. There is only two this time. And the first is Georgia Wiggum, and she's reprising her role as Lysella, originally appearing in the 2017 episode Majority Rule. She has also starred as Beth in the Scream TV series, as well as in the Punisher TV series, and as Kat in 13 Reasons Why, which is also Ann Winters is from 13 Reasons Why. So I had to tie that together. But it looks like she'll also be appearing in the upcoming Seth MacFarlane production of Ted. That is correct. Yeah. So lots on the docket for her, but there should be more seasons and y'all need to keep tweeting hashtag renew the Orville and all that good stuff because it seems like she might be a character at least reoccurring on the show now that she's in the universe. That door is certainly open. Also, last but not least, Halston Sage makes a quick return as Alara in this episode. And Alara was the original security officer. And in recent years, she has starred as Emma in the horror video game entitled The Quarry, as well as Ainsley Whitley in the show Prodigal Son. So, yeah, she's been doing a lot of things over the years, but it was cool to see her show back up for a wedding. Yeah, I was not expecting that. I was not expecting a wedding either. I also was not expecting Alara to come back. So it was a a nice nod to bring the whole gang back together. And they did do that same thing that they did with someone before where they put her name at the beginning of the end credits instead Mm -hmm. of at the beginning of the episode to hide that appearance. They've been doing that more because I'm always hunting and pecking at the beginning of episodes and I didn't see her name pop up. So they're doing it sneakily now. Yeah. So those are the guest stars from this episode and the trivia. Okay. Getting into the episode itself, we begin by following Isaac through his morning routine, from visiting engineering and the science lab, to delivering a banana to Dr. Finn in sickbay, before finally arriving on the bridge. The ship is on its way to Listac 2 for the renewal ceremony of Bordas and Clyden. As the ceremony begins, both disrobe and Clyden runs into the forest. Moments later, Bordas chases after him. Clyden is only able to evade Bordas momentarily until he's tackled to the ground. 
Sometime later, the two return and declare themselves mates. This whole episode starts off in such a lighter tone than we've seen this season. So you can almost feel the lightness in the air because I was sitting there like, what are they going to do for the finale? Mm -hmm. After that episode, we just watched Domino where Charlie dies. They snuck in the good vibes episode. And I feel like that was apparent from the get-go. It just felt lighter. I loved the Clyde and Bordis everything. The Mocklin lore and background is so interesting to me. I love mm-hmm. learning about it. And this was just another bit of their culture we got to see. Also, they had to do full body makeup for this. That surprised me a lot. Yeah, my yeah. first thought when they were running was it must have been so difficult to run through the forest in these full body prosthetics. Also, there was a moment where they had a shot of Peter Macon running full speed. And I was like, dang, he's fast. Yeah. But just in general, it was a very fun sequence, even though it's kind of alluded to like, I think Gordon says later on that it was like a sexual assault. Yeah. Except for the fact that it is consensual. Yeah, it's consensual. I mean, it's an interesting thing to see. My favorite part is when they get back and hold their heads together. (laughs) Like, no one knows what to do. Right, so they start clapping. They start clapping, but I enjoyed this. I'm glad Bordis and Clyden, in a way, I thought it was like a vow renewal. Yeah, it was. Or was it like because they technically got divorced? I would guess, because I had this thought too, is that it is something that Mocklins traditionally do as a renewal of vows Mm -hmm. because Mocklin divorces are permanent because one of them is usually dead. Oh, yeah. They didn't technically get a quote unquote divorce, but it. I was sitting there and I'm like, is it kind of like them getting married again or is it a vow renewal? It did feel more like a vow renewal, yeah. but I enjoyed it. And I love that Bordis includes everybody in these things because it's like a personal part of his life. And mm-hmm. I just kind of enjoy that he makes an effort to have everybody there, even though it's like he chases him down and then there's the sexual event mm-hmm. and then they come back as mates. One of the other questions I had, too, is I wonder how they decide who will be chasing who. Yeah. So my thought was, and I don't know if this is always the case, (laughs) but I was guessing since it would make sense that Bordis is in better athletic condition with him being an officer and everything. I wonder if he's chosen to chase just because it's more likely he'll succeed. I do wonder, Bordis does say like, oh, well, yeah, it, it has can't to be, be authentic. Yeah, yeah, it has to be genuine. And like, I just, Clyden throwing a boulder at. <laughs> was not expecting that. I thought it was just a chase. I didn't yeah. know the other one was going to fight back. But in a way, I wonder like, Clyden could have gotten away because Bordis looked a little lost, but he stood there to throw a rock at him. And then he was hiding behind the tree. So in a way, I'm like, do they kind of maybe? It seems like it's playful. It's playful, yeah. Except for, you know, rock throwing. (laughs) (laughs) I really loved getting this glimpse into Mocklin culture. And also, I know what you're saying about Kelly and Bordis, and there was nothing else that came up about that. I very much enjoyed Bordis and Clyde in this whole episode. Yeah, they were great. Just them together. The way it should be. (laughs) Following the ceremony, the Orville is assigned to deliver supplies to the science team on Sargus Four the planet where the events of majority rule took place. In the lab, Isaac researches bonding rituals before approaching Claire in the mess hall, getting down on one knee and asking her to marry him. The two then go to Claire's quarters where they discuss why Isaac wants to get married, including the challenge that time will create for them. Isaac then tells Claire that even when she's gone, he will continue to take care of her children and descendants. If we hadn't seen in a prior episode, how Isaac feels about Claire, this would have seemed like just another scientific experiment to me. But the fact that we got that insight and that we know that on some level, Isaac does love her. And if Isaac did have emotions, he would love her. Yeah. That makes this feel more authentic to me. And it's not just like, I'm going to study her family through time. (laughs) It's I actually do love her and I want to marry her. Yeah, I think it's when the head hold is lingering and they pan to Isaac Mm -hmm. and I'm like, he's going to ask Claire to marry him. Oh, yeah. And he does. But I very much thought the same thing where I'm like, we know that Isaac loves her and it's given me more evidence that Isaac is evolving emotions. Like that's not just something that he would do just because or like it's something that I feel like had intention behind it. And not the intention of like normal Isaac intentions of gathering data or trying to 
research things. It seemed like I care for Claire and I want to do this for us, which is so because he's still a robot, like he still acts like Isaac. But Mm -hmm. this just felt different for some reason. I could argue it from either side. Really? Yeah. But, you know, he brought her a banana and I I just feel like I feel like he does that every morning. Part of his routine. Okay, then at the end of this episode, if I jump ahead, when Mm -hmm. he puts his hand on Ty's shoulder, Mm -hmm. why would he do that? To approximate what humans do. This is the thing, though, about Isaac. There's something more to him than just robot. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying I could argue either side easily. Yeah, I think part of it, I feel like, is Isaac didn't have to do this. No, he didn't have to. So the reason I think I think there's more to it is because he looked at what Clyden and Bordas had Mm -hmm. and something sparked in him to look it up. Yeah, like he said in his vows, he wants to make sure that he's always operating at peak efficiency. I know, but just let me have this, Rob. (laughs) I'm just playing devil's advocate right now. No, I know. You can totally have whatever read of it you want. Yeah, I think that it could go either way. He is still machinery, but I still have this theory that the Kalons don't realize their potential quite yet with the emotional realm. And if they just flip that switch inside of them, they could be just like us. I do think that's true on some level. Yes. I just don't know what level. Yeah, (laughs) neither do I, but I think it's there. In Grayson's quarters, Claire discusses the matter with Kelly and Tala, where they weigh the pros and cons. When Ed comes in, he suggests asking her kids what they think. As the ship approaches Sargus 4, they're surprised to be receiving a message on a Union frequency that's not from the science team. The voice they hear is Lysella's, and she's asking for help. I think this whole episode I was waiting for the other foot to drop. Just because we've had so much intense episodes this season, I'm like, Mm. what's the twist? And I was just kind of waiting for that the entire time. So having Lysella come back was surprising. But when they said they're going back to Sargus 4, I was like, there's got to be something that comes from this. I got excited because I thought they might be going back down to the planet Mm. because I really enjoyed that discussion. It's a social media commentary, and I'm always down to talk about that. But yeah, she stole a comm scanner and brought it back with her. Yeah, apparently the last time we saw her as they were bringing her back to the planet, she pocketed a comm scanner and no one caught her. Sneaky. I don't think I would steal anything, though I've never been in that scenario, so I really can't speak one way or the other. It was interesting to have her come back. And the conversation with Claire and Kelly and Tala, I've enjoyed when they're all hanging out together when the crew this season has been socializing, Mm -hmm. mingling, not just working. And at first I was like, is Claire kind of drunk? And I really liked the way Penny Johnson Gerald played the drunk bit because she sounded like somebody who is trying to enjoy themselves. But it's just like that little voice switch in someone that you can tell like, oh, they've been drinking. Yeah. (laughs) It was nice to see them all hanging out and talking about real life stuff. Yeah. But also, I guess maybe having a Kalon ask to marry you is not real life stuff. Just talking (laughs) about boys. (laughs) Yeah. I like the exchange between Kelly and Ed here, where Mm -hmm. she's basically like, you've done well, Superman, you're excused. And he salutes and leaves. I thought that was all really cute. Honestly, this whole scene was just fun. And it was just light. The episode felt light. And I felt like I could relax a little bit, even though I was kind of in the back of my head, like, is something bad going to happen? Yeah. So for the most part, I really enjoyed seeing them all exist a bit for this episode. In this scene, too, this is a small aesthetic thing. It's not often that we see Tala's hair down and not the side ponytail. I didn't even notice. Yeah, she had her hair just down regularly. It still comes down one side of the head, though, so you can still see her ear Mm -hmm. on the other side. And it just makes me wonder why they don't do that more regularly, even when she's in her uniform, because it's a better look for her. In my opinion, I was never a huge fan of the side ponytail look because I feel like it looks a little juvenile for a security chief. Listen, it's a very early 2000s kind of hairdo. And... (laughs) Saleh just stuck in the early Earth 2000s period. Yeah, like late 90s era. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe Zalea has a certain hairstyle rubric they work with because Alara's hair was very unique as well. And I did notice we're talking about Tala's hair specifically when they're at the club later on. She had like these nice little like curls in her hair mm-hmm. on the side. So I don't know, maybe it's just like a uniform thing. Your security officer, nothing can grab your ponytail from the back. But if it's down on the side, like, I'm just trying to think of why. <laughs> I think it's just a style choice. It probably just looks neater. 
Yeah, it's probably functional, too. It's out of her face and out of the reach of grabby hands. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of reason for it. I just like the way it looked. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't notice because I was enjoying them hanging out so much. Ed and Kelly meet with Lysella in the briefing room. She explains that things on her planet have gotten worse, and she's requesting asylum on the Orville. Kelly explains that if they grant her this request, she can't go back to her planet, and Lysella agrees. In engineering, Isaac mentions that there's currently no confirmed engagement, and Lamar says that might be a good thing. He then suggests that Isaac date some other people before getting married to see what else is out there. There are some great bits in this scene, so... I was screaming at my TV. (laughs) I loved Gordon busting John's chops by telling him that he's part of the landing party first. Mm Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, you're on the landing party for Sargus 4. And he's like, what? He like freaks out. I love Mm -hmm. that. I loved when John suggests to Isaac that he should date other people. And he immediately asks John out. (laughs) That was good. He should not have said that. Of course he shouldn't have. Why did he say that? Because Lamar is a relationship agent of chaos. I know. Lieutenant Turco, I was glad she was there. Speaking of Turco. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you pick up on a little bit of attitude she was throwing at John? Because uh-huh. I'm wondering if she got hurt when they broke up. I mean, you have to work together and go through a potential breakup or you're like not hooking up anymore, whatever their relationship was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciated that she put some sass back on John. Like, what are you talking about? Don't listen to him. Yeah. Also, I was like, why would John say that? Like, it's Claire. He's an agent of chaos. <laughs> I don't know why he had to be an agent of chaos. Just let Claire and Isaac have their pure little love and don't put ideas in Isaac's head. I mean, I think that that's part of it is it's more data that he's like, oh, didn't consider this. Yeah. But John doesn't foresee the repercussions of what would be good advice for a human is not good advice for a Kalon. It was a good scene, though. It was a really fun interaction between everybody in engineering. Mm-hmm. And also, I was secretly hoping they were all going to go back to Sargus for this entire time. And I was like, <laughs> wait, are they really going? And so I was getting excited about that because majority rule was all about Lamar. He almost got a lobotomy, right? Mm-hmm. And that's pretty scary. I don't know why, why they would joke about that because I'm like, that's so mean. I mean, that was a very serious situation. He was on like talk shows. They've joked about some harsh things in this show. (laughs) This is where I draw the line. I can't believe they would joke about that. (laughs) It's also Gordon who has no line when it comes to humor. Oh, yeah. It was a fun scene. I mean, what did you think about Lysela wanting to come aboard the ship? I thought it made sense. It checked out for me. The fact that her planet is getting so bad. Unlike other people on her planet, when the Orville came around last time, her eyes were opened in a way. We saw a suggestion that her behavior was going to change. And if things are getting worse and she's already opted out of that, plus she's losing friends, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff, then it makes perfect sense to me that she'd want out of that because she's terrified. It almost felt like they were doing a little bit of a commentary on what it's like here on Earth. Oh, absolutely they were. And so it was interesting to hear her talk about how people love to dogpile in a hateful way on people. And that's the only time they ever feel like they're a part of things. And so... I understand why she'd want asylum on the Orville if that was an option, just because like I know lately for me, our world is a bit of a mess and it seems like every day there's something new that makes it even messier. And Mm -hmm. it does kind of feel like we're heading down an apocalyptic route. Maybe I would steal a comm scanner and hail a starship to be like, please just get me out of here. It's just interesting that they actually agreed to do it. Claire checks in with her boys about the proposal and they both approve. So she visits Isaac in his lab and finally says yes. Right away, he then goes to Grayson's office and asks her on a date. When she asks why, Isaac mentions the advice that John gave him. Later, Kelly explains to Lysela how their society functions, where people work for personal fulfillment instead of material need. I know you and I have talked a lot about, I know we haven't talked a lot in detail about the lack of money, Mm -hmm. but like reputation is the currency of the future. I kind of enjoyed, though, that she laid it all out there. Lysella was a way for that to be explained. Yeah. We got a lot on the union this episode. We did. Which I also very much enjoyed because I'm like, it's the union. But we we got a glimpse into their history and why they do things the way that they do. And I thought it was a clever way to do it with Lysella because what other opportunity would you have for a conversation like that? 
Yeah, we spent a lot of time in this show getting into the lore of alien species. And until this point, didn't realize how little we actually got on the Union until they started really laying it out there. Yeah. And I know later in the episode that comes up again. I'm very happy that Claire said yes to Isaac because, you know, I'm just that boat is sailing healthily in the ocean for me. (laughs) I was really glad she talked to Marcus and Ty and they both were like, why haven't you said yes yet? And I was like, oh, this is everything I want. They've always been all about it, except for Marcus's little aside in the first episode. But yeah, I just want this little happy family unit to I really want them to win. And I just didn't expect a proposal this episode. So Mm -hmm. I think I'm still reeling from the fact that there was a proposal and that it actually came to fruition and it was a legitimate thing because then he goes and he asks Kelly on a date. I'm like, what is he doing? And I'm like, I can't really blame him because John put this idea in his head. But I I really appreciated that Kelly obviously said no. (laughs) But then she actually told Claire later on and that she tried to contact Claire and be like, I need to talk to Dr. Finn. I just I really liked that. Good friend. Yeah. There wasn't any fishy business. No. Because sometimes like there's shows on TV where it's like, oh, my best friend. And then there's like this big secret that just festers and this wasn't it. And I thought that was refreshing. That and they all understand that Isaac just functions differently. And this isn't something he's doing out of malevolence. This is something that he just doesn't understand. Grayson then visits Claire in sickbay. Dr. Finn asks her to be the maid of honor and she accepts, but also breaks the news that Isaac asked her out. When Claire learns about John's advice, she storms into engineering and gives him an earful. Kelly then takes Lysella to the environmental simulator and shows her a program of Melmiris asteroids interior and the species that lives there. So Isaac's apology here, I thought was very good. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people could take a lesson from it because (laughs) most apologies are not as sincere and thorough as they should be. Sincere is the key word there. Robot. Can robots be sincere? Sure. So (laughs) (laughs) not only did he say he made an error, he fessed up to his mistake, but he also asked how he can avoid similar mistakes in the future. He is thinking ahead of time and saying, I upset you. How can I prevent that in the future? That is a big thing to do when it comes to apologies. Yeah. In the past, we've seen Dr. Finn or Claire get upset with Isaac Mm -hmm. and him being like, I don't know what I did wrong and like being defensive about it. And this time he, like you said, legitimately was like, yeah, I guess that was a mistake. What can I do to not do it again? And that to me shows a huge change in how he functions within this relationship now. And I just thought this whole scene was very sweet. It just made me happy because I'm like, this is all Claire ever wanted was just to have this relationship. And I can see Isaac growing. And I guess I agree with you. It is the right way to do an apology where people should take a note on this. Like you can apologize and then, you know, ask how you can do better. Mm. So maybe this can become some sort of rule set that we can all use for when we need to apologize for something. Yeah. The planet was cool. Or I guess the asteroid. asteroid, yeah. I was going to say the inside of the asteroid was absolutely gorgeous. I wasn't expecting the creatures that were swimming below to be mathematicians. And I think the Orville is really good about this in that they show us a species and then they flip our expectation of what's going on here. So in my opinion, this was just a species that lived here didn't really have any kind of like cognition when it came to like communicating with other species or higher intellect or anything. And Kelly's just says they're some of the best mathematicians in the galaxy. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of the pilot episode when we saw that creature pop out of the water at the science station. Yeah. And that that was their foremost biologist or something along those lines. And to flip that same expectation, I feel like this is very much in that same vein. They almost look like jellyfish. So at first you're like, oh, it's just lights underneath. Yeah. They do a little switcheroo on you where you're like, it's just part of the environment. And then the fact that Kelly goes on also to explain, oh, we use a a device to translate what they say because they Mm -hmm. speak in like, was it frequencies or vibrations? I can't remember. Yeah, sonic vibration. Yeah. So that kind of background on things I appreciate because like I've said in earlier episodes, it flushes out this world. Mm -hmm. and makes it more rich. And I thought it was cool. She's like, you'll never see one of these on a ship, but you know, they're very much part of the union and they still help in different ways. Plus getting to see that environment from the special effects standpoint was stunning. And it really makes me want an environmental simulator. (laughs) 
I wish they were real. And I, I really appreciated seeing everything from Lysella's eyes because I think it gave a new perspective even to me, someone who's watched the show for three seasons, mm-hmm. breaking down like, wow, that would be wild to be someone new. Kelly be like, I'm going to pick you up and let's go head on to this big room with a circle in the middle of it. I'm going to hit a button and then you're just on an asteroid. Yeah, I just appreciated that they took time to show us some things we have not seen or showed us scenarios we also haven't seen within the union yet. Hmm. Before we move on, I just want to recognize one shot real quick, too, because I thought it was incredibly effective in what they were trying to convey. When Claire is in engineering and storms up to where Lamar is and they go to a first person camera for her for a moment. Mm -hmm. It's like she's stalking him as like a a monster from a horror movie or something. And it ratcheted up the tension, even Uh though I didn't think anyone was in physical danger. It did make you feel how upset Claire was. So that was a brilliant inclusion. That whole scene when she shows up and she just yells, Lamar, and then... The shot from even up on the the walkway, I think that's what you're talking about. There's mm-hmm. like a couple shots where from John's perspective and she's just walking across and stamping up the stairwell. I really loved that Claire gave him an earful. I think it was well warranted and John should have known better. Come on. I just admire Claire so much. She's just such a powerful person and she sticks up for what she believes in. And I just really enjoyed that. She's like, you know what? This is something I I need to say something about. And that scene was intense. (laughs) On the bridge, Isaac asks Gordon to be his best man because of his reputation for being funny. Bordis interjects and says he would be right for the job. And despite Gordon making an argument, Isaac grants permission to the Mocklin. Soon after, Isaac invites Primary to the wedding, as well as the entire Kalon race. This was the moment where I was like, this is where something bad's going to happen. The Kalon are going to be mostly undefended by their planet and something's going to happen. That's what I thought was up and coming. Mm -hmm. But I really loved everything about all of this, like Isaac's wedding planning, because I'm like, oh my gosh, like Isaac was like, yeah, I'm going to ask Gordon to be my best man. And then Bordas stole it from him. Completely. Just was like, I will be the best man. And Isaac's like, okay, that's fine. I was like, poor Gordon. Gordon just left hanging in this like middle area of like, what just happened? And then when he calls up the primary, I was like, oh, this is interesting. And sticking with tradition as humans, we invite both families usually to the wedding. And then he's inviting the entire Kalon race to his wedding. But I also thought it was the funniest thing ever. Yeah. Because no one knew. Nobody knew. He just called him up. was like, yeah, you want to come? And primary was like, yeah, that's fine. Should we bring everybody? Yeah. Why not everybody? Sure. I did think it was interesting because primary brings up, oh, is it like enslavement? <laughs> it's like, what a commentary on marriage. Right. <laughs> it is a bit weird when you think about it. Like, you sign a contract. It's super weird. When you really break down. I like how the one of us that is married is like, marriage is weird. It is weird, though, because Mark and I make jokes. It's a joke, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, you have to love me. You're contractually obligated. (laughs) And he does the same thing because we think it's funny. But I was sad for Gordon. Gordon deserved to be the best man. He is the most qualified. He is. And I mean, he he got his redemption at the end there. Yeah. Kelly then shows the quantum core to Lysella, and it's here that she expresses her guilt for having abandoned her world for this better one. Lysella then mentions that her people would be better off if they had all this technology. But Kelly counters by saying that the technology didn't help her people improve. They needed to come together first in order to be able to develop this kind of technology. So in this scene, these are the first signs of guilt that we see that Mm -hmm. pretty much motivate Lysala's actions throughout the rest of this episode. Yeah, I get it, though. If I had a chance to go up to a space station, I'm like, wow, they have like a food synthesizer and this core that can make a ship fly through space. And you would kind of apply that to what you know and the only things you know and go like, wow, this would make everything better. But I really agree with how Kelly explains stuff throughout this episode. Mm -hmm. If we today on our planet got these technologies, it would be 100% like my first thought was like Amazon would try to figure out how they could acquire the technology for the synthesizer and then monetize it. And then you have to pay for upgrades. You want fancier food? You need a subscription service. And then just like with the quantum core, you put too much powerful technology in the hands of people who don't have their best interests at heart. It's just going to be an absolute disaster. 
Because even like the comm scanner, everything like just capitalism and just everything. Gosh, <laughs> this whole episode gave me a little bit of an existential crisis because it's such a commentary on how Earth handles things so poorly. And if we all work together, think of what we could accomplish. Instead, yeah. it's like who has more land? Who has the biggest weapons? It's crazy. It's honestly mind boggling when you really sit down and think about what our world is. It's a lot of odd social constructs that we've all agreed to. And then mm-hmm. people have figured out how to take advantage of them. Yeah. Like the food synthesizer could, in theory, stop world hunger. Mm-hmm. But there would be companies that would want control over that. Yeah. So it wouldn't help world hunger because there would be too much bureaucracy and things in the way for people to get access to it. So, yeah, with Kelly saying like your civilization has to be ready for this and they have to arrive at it on their own Mm -hmm. or it's just not going to work. And man, that was just sobering to hear because I was thinking Lysella wants to bring all this good stuff back to Sargus for, which is very much like our Earth. And I'm like, it wouldn't help, unfortunately. Not those people. We've seen how they behave. Yeah. It's something that I never really thought about. Like, I guess I had wondered why they hadn't provided technology, but I always like, oh, the union doesn't mess with stuff. Like we saw when Kelly became a god (laughs) on another planet. So it makes sense why they try to not interfere as much as possible. Mm -hmm. But having someone ask those questions and getting to see Kelly answer in real time, I felt was a very interesting discussion. Same. In the lab, Gordon is complaining to Ed and John about Bordis hijacking the best man duties. But his mood changes when his egg salad sandwich from the past suddenly appears. Kelly, Tala, and Lysella are meeting to plan the bachelorette party when Lysella asks why they couldn't share their technology. Kelly explains that they can't just play God by dropping advanced tech on developing societies and hoping that they'll use it responsibly for everyone's equal benefit. When the egg salad sandwich showed up, immediately was like, "Uh oh, now there's another timeline we have to worry about. So. I'm always thinking about like what's going to go wrong. Mm. I was enjoying all the fun that was going on, but I was always in the back of my head like what's going to happen? The egg salad sandwich is back. Does that mean future past Gordon's coming back from somewhere? I was just happy to see it again. It had had just enough time pass to where I had started to forget about it. Mm -hmm. And that's when it shows up again. And that's the way to do it. Other thing, though, because my brain is thinking in terms of real time, that egg salad sandwich, I know, was probably only gone for a certain amount of time. Yeah, it was like seconds. I know, but my brain was like, is it rotten? Because for us, so much time has passed. He just picks it up and grabs it and takes a bite. Yeah, it's only a second older than when he put it there. I also have to admit, I'm not a fan of egg salad sandwiches. So Nor I. Yeah, I've never been, ooh, you know what I could go for? An egg salad sandwich. So maybe it's that too. Maybe if it was something, what's a good sandwich? What's a good sandwich? Is it a grilled cheese? Yeah, a grilled cheese. I could see being excited about that. I get excited (laughs) about a grilled cheese. Yeah. (laughs) So the fact that the egg salad sandwich came back was a nice tie together. Did it not make you think that the timelines were going to merge or something? No, I was just happy they were paying off the bit. I think my brain's too active when I watch the show. <laughs> I did really like John's walking off and muttering to himself at the end of all this. Mm-hmm. That got me. I loved seeing Gordon and John interact in this episode. It yeah. was just fun. I mean, even Ed seemed kind of more like jokey and everything. So it was fun. Everything's a little lighter this episode. Yeah. When they're planning the bachelorette party, Lysel is being a bit of a party pooper, but I get it. <laughs> yeah, she's still living in guilt world. She's struggling with that. And so they're like, hey, what kind of thing do you want to do in the environment or sim? And she's just like, "Um, this water could be synthesized and change my world. I think I'm going to go lay down. So yeah, definitely kind of a mood killer, but I get it. I can understand why she struggles with it. Because Kelly never shows her what actually happened. Not yet, until. No. And I'm wondering if she had done that, but I don't know if it was too intense to show somebody right away. I had the same thought, yeah. That if she had showed it earlier, a lot of stuff could have been avoided. But Mm -hmm. I assume that she didn't feel it was necessary at the time. Like she's just showing the initial signs of guilt. She's not trying to steal stuff from the ship just yet. Yeah. But would that have hindered her from attempting to steal from the ship? Because you could already see the tears and how Lysella was handling being aboard the Orville. So, I mean, maybe a graphic history lesson could have come in sooner. Maybe. 
But, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. a lot of the time. Exactly. I also do think it was interesting. Kelly says you can't play God by dropping advanced text. So that like conversation is still going. But Lysel is so hellbent on how can you not do this for people who need it? Which I'm sure is a very difficult thing to have to make a decision about. But Kelly seems like, well, the union tells me to do this. She has that fallback where it's illegal. I can't do it, Mm -hmm. which I think in some ways would be easy when someone is asking and pressing a lot. But they do actually have something to back it up. They do. Yeah. It's one thing to just state a rule. It's another to know why that rule exists. Mm -hmm. At the bachelor party, Gordis has simulated a retro Las Vegas club. When Gordon starts complaining about the vibe, Bordis steps onto the stage dressed as Elvis. Meanwhile, the bachelorette party seems to be going much better as the ladies are dancing at a club of their own. A simulation of Isaac as a stripper steps onto the stage and begins dancing. Back at the bachelor party, Bordis is concluding a song as most of the group has lost interest. Small detail in this scene that I didn't pick up on first, Mm -hmm. but I really liked that Isaac was wearing a tie. In the stripper thing? No, not the stripper Isaac, the real Isaac. Oh, I thought you were talking about stripper Isaac. I was like, wasn't he wearing leather? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's dressed up. And honestly, the fact that Bordas tried to do a bachelor party, one of my favorite moments is when Clyden is just so excited when he walks out on stage in his Elvis outfit. Clyden is a super supportive husband throughout all of this episode. And even though Bordis bites his head off, I think that's just the way they interact. I don't think there's anything mean about it at all. Because Clyden even takes it in stride and he's like, I'm sorry, I just get excited. Yeah, though I will say that looked like a pretty awful bachelor party. Oh, yeah, terrible. It seemed like he sang for a very long time. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't think he was going with the most high energy Elvis songs either. No, it was like the slow song. Yeah. The Bachelorette Party Club reminded me of the club that Bordis and Clyden had their epic dancing in. Absolutely. So I was like, oh, this is a fun vibe. And then Stripper Isaac. I was wondering if either of them were going to go the stripper route. And I think a Kalon stripper is honestly the best bit for this whole sequence. Completely agree. And he's just like magic miking everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Also, we both know that it wasn't Mark Jackson in the Mm -hmm. suit. I couldn't find who the actual dancer was, but whoever was dancing in that suit, that was very impressive. They were owning it. Yeah. Also, can you imagine like having, I'm assuming it's a bit restrictive. Yeah, one would think. To try to do like, I don't know. The only thing I can compare it to is Magic Mike because that's my only (laughs) reference point. But yeah, he's like Magic (laughs) Miking. But then Claire gets on the stage. (laughs) Oh, Claire was having a great time. Yeah. This whole Bachelor Bachelorette sequence was a lot of fun. The next day, Lysella enters Grayson's office and says that she needs to go home as she's feeling increasingly guilty. Kelly brings the news to Ed, who's helping Claire and Tala pick out the wedding dress. They decide that the risk of letting her go home is minimal, as it's unlikely she'd be able to recreate anything she's seen, and anything she told anyone would be the same as any fiction writer telling a story. They were pretty spot on with Seth MacFarlane or Ed giving opinions about wedding dresses. Yeah. Like whenever I ask a man, hey, what do you think about this? It's always just like, both are great. I'm like, just tell me which one looks better. So they nailed that on the head. Yeah. You know why men do that, right? Because they don't want to get in trouble. I know. Exactly. It's fear. They shouldn't be fearful because sometimes I got a dress on. I got two to pick from. I want to know which one looks better. Look, we're we're (laughs) neutral. We're neutral country. We're not getting involved in the war. But what if the dress A looks so much better than dress B? I feel like if the difference were extreme enough, we would be totally honest. But if it's so close that there's one that doesn't stand out more than the other, we're going neutral. Yeah, Mark is pretty good about this. I did enjoy the future fashion wedding dresses. What did you think about future fashion dresses? I thought they were great. I was surprised that neither of the ones that we looked at here ended up being the one that we saw. The second one wasn't the one? No, it was different. And I need to be more observant. <laughs> I thought she went with the second dress because I did like the first dress. <laughs> I'm already do I'm doing I'm more helpful than Ed. The second dress was better. It was better. Yeah, it looked really good. It was more of a wedding dress, too. Yeah. I also love seeing this room again because we haven't seen this room since zipper jacket. We're not, not in, in a, a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So this room was cool. Like they're doing like a fashion show and you could try stuff on. And I was like, I want this. It would make my <laughs> yeah. life so much easier. It's pretty great. Would you let Lysella go back though? Yeah. 
I, I agree with everything Kelly said here. I think the risk is minimal considering she can't recreate anything. Anything she says to anyone sounds so outlandish. But what if they commit her? This is what my brain did is like she's going around like spaceships in the sky and then she gets downvoted and then she gets a lobotomy. I think she understands the risk of her own society enough to not do that. <laughs> I, I think she's know. a smart individual. I go to worst case scenario where I'm like, she tells the one person that she trusts who turns out to be a backstabber and then rumors start flying and then she's doing a talk show run, trying to convince people to upvote her. It's possible, but she could do that with any piece of information. It didn't have to necessarily be about spaceships. This made me rethink about people on our planet who are like, UFOs are real. And what if we're just doing the same thing that essentially would have been Lysella going back to her planet? They are real. I actually do think UFOs are real as well. So <laughs> I guess use that as an example. Yeah. <laughs> I believe I've seen a UFO and that's a story for another day. <laughs> I do think that there is something to be said, though, where Kelly's saying like someone who wrote The Time Machine or even some, I don't know, The Expanse, something like that, have to come up with this whole idea of spaceships and com mm -hmm. scanners and all that. So it's very believable that nobody would think she was telling the truth. Yeah. That also kind of sucks for her, though. That she'd have to be on guard, but then she's like having to keep this big secret the rest of her life. A secret that if she lets slip isn't going to really affect anything. Just be like, she's a little bit off her rocker, but she knows it's real. I don't know if this is when Ed said it to her or this came later, but like the Orville is not a passenger vessel that you just can get on and get off whenever yeah. you want. So it's like, this is the last time. Which makes sense. They gave her a chance. I think they're being understanding about the survivor's guilt. Mm -hmm. I think they're being very generous in bringing her back, too. Oh, absolutely. Kelly and Tala bring Lysella to a shuttle to leave. But as soon as she enters, she sets off an alarm. They ask her to step out, and she reveals a comm scanner that has plans for a lot of their tech. Kelly then takes her back to the simulator and loads up a program for the planet Gendel 3, which resembles a civilization similar to Lysella's. Advancing the program five years later shows the former city in ruins. Kelly explains that early efforts by the Union to help other civilizations resulted in destruction as the technology was used for personal gain and political dominance. Laws were then put in place to prevent that from happening ever again. When they showed the city change and that person jumped out at Lysella, mm -hmm. I got vibes of Into the Fold where... There were all the people who had the boils and stuff from the sickness. Yeah, no, I I got jump scared by that. Oh, yeah. And then I just, <laughs> I was just saying out loud, they're Mad Maxing because I've never seen Mad Max, but I assume that that's probably what the movie's about. <laughs> just the wasteland of it all. It is a but wasteland, yes. Also, the fact that there were survivors and that's what they're left with is mm -hmm. just like pain and boils. Ugh. This was depressing. Yeah, it was. <laughs> But it was a good, like we said before, it's good to see the origin behind the rule because it makes the rule more understandable and more justifiable. Yeah. And I think that this is why we don't do it. Mm -hmm. I do feel like this history lesson would have been helpful earlier, but Agreed. you know, you live, you learn. They're very understanding of Lysella's transgressions, considering the severity of it. Did they always have a alarm on the shuttle? I think that's new. It might be new. It's never happened before, at least. So it's hard to say like when those were implemented, but it's new to us. What's interesting about that is if Gordon had a comm scanner, it probably wouldn't have set off for him. But so maybe it's set for certain parameters, like mm -hmm. non-authorized devices or something. But yeah. I guess they do have new shuttles this season. It makes sense. And it would make sense to have something built into them that would alert like, hey, illegal cargo is coming aboard. But I also feel like maybe they did that because she took a comm scanner last time. Yeah, it's also something that they possibly activate when they feel it's necessary, just as a security precaution. She did try to steal the synthesizer. Was quantum technology on there? I don't remember the exact list of things, yeah. but it was all non-weapons. That was the key. Yeah, she got kudos for not getting the weapons, which mm -hmm. honestly is, that'd be bad. Seeing the whole civilization that was destroyed because Kelly was saying they were more of like missionaries without the religious aspect to it. The union would kind of go and be like, here, we can help you and bring the technology. But I think talking about it was super interesting. And then seeing an example of it was just like, oh, because I, I do compare it to our current landscape. Mm -hmm. It's 100 percent believable. 
It's not even like, oh, I don't know. People like, no, I a hundred percent believe that's what would happen. Yeah, I get it. That just makes me bummed just because life, you know, <laughs> a fleet of 4,000 Kalon ships is detected to be approaching the Orville. Gordon thinks they're under attack, but Isaac informs Mercer that they've arrived to attend the wedding. The ceremony between Isaac and Claire takes place, and the two exchange vows and rings. At the reception, Lysella reveals that she's decided to stay on board. The bridge calls down saying a transport has docked, which Ed says is a little surprise. The simulator door opens, and Alara Catan steps through to the delight of the crew. Fortis then silences the reception to give his best man toast, but all kidding aside, it's not received well. At Claire's request, Isaac interrupts him and asks Gordon to speak, who gets the crowd back immediately. After the toast, Claire asks Gordon to sing a song, which he does. As he sings to the crowd, Kelly takes Ed's hand and the two smile at one another. The end. So much in that paragraph, Rob. <laughs> I know, there's a lot yeah. there. The Kalon ships show up and everyone's like, what's going on? And then they had to alert the union, like, Isaac just invited everybody to his wedding. So everything was fine. But I really enjoyed the fact that the Kalon were there. And my, one of my particularly favorite moments is when everyone's clapping at the end of the wedding and all the Kalon are clapping in unison. I thought it must have been incredibly difficult to have all of the extras that were working as Kalon to synchronously clap, synchronously yeah. sit down, get up. The head turns are all yeah. in unison. That had to take a lot of effort. It was very impressive. Yeah. And I enjoyed that the Kalon were there, especially at the end of this season. Didn't see that coming. Ed also says that, like, never would have thought this would have been yeah. what happened. I really love that Isaac and Claire got married. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not as invested in the relationship as you are, but it was nice. Yeah, it was a very sweet way to end the season. Yeah. No one got hurt. <laughs> Nothing bad happened. They actually got married. And that's why I want a season four, too, because I'm like, I want to see their relationship. I want to see married life with Isaac and Claire. Oh, yeah. It would be interesting for sure. I want that. I need that. <laughs> um, what did you think of the big surprise with Alara showing back up? I did not see it coming mm -mm. at all. The one thing that I really liked about it is when we watched The Road Not Taken, we were very disappointed that there was never an interaction between Alara and Tala. And we actually got that this time. Yeah. And they seem like the gang was just all back together. Yeah. It wasn't a very long lived thing, but it was a very sweet moment that everybody's like, oh, my gosh, Alara's here. Right. And it sounds like she can't be in certain environments for very long because of her condition and that she chose to come to this as one of those allotted time slots. Yeah, I liked that little line of dialogue because it also explains why she's not back. She can't. Mm -hmm. She can only be away from Zalea for a certain amount of time every year. When Ed was like, I got a little surprise. And then even with the walking down the hallway, I did not know it was her until she walked through the simulator. Mm. The whole time I was like, whose hair is that? And I'm like, <laughs> it was like weirdly familiar. But I was like, wait, who is this? And then I was like, oh, it's Alara, obviously. But I just didn't put two and two together. That shocks me. <laughs> I know. I just think I think I, <laughs> it's been a long week. OK, <laughs> what did you think about Bordis's toast? Absolutely terrible. Oh, it was so awkward because it wasn't jokes. It was no, just it was bad. just really bad things. Oh, God. It's why everyone knew it was going to be a disaster. The Mocklin sense of humor is just not the same. So bad. But also, I loved it because as a viewer, I loved it. Because we knew it was going to be a dumpster fire and we were just waiting to see how bad. Oh, it was so good. And then like, oh, wait, wait this was one thing I was just thinking about. So during Bordis's speech, Claire whispers something to Isaac. And then Isaac says, thank you, Bordis. I, I would really like to hear what Gordon has to say. Because Isaac has no ability to recognize that it's a socially awkward moment. Mm -hmm. So Claire basically is saying, hey, can you shut this down, please? Thanks. I love that he did without even a hesitation. He would. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a lot that happens at the end here. It was a lot of togetherness and a lot of what feels like wrapping up. I liked the dress uniforms. Yeah, those are cool. They were sharp, very classy. Damn, the costumes this season. <laughs> I know, so good. Yeah, it's like the formal attire. I don't think we've seen those before. No, those are new for sure. Yeah. Speaking of attire, I'm pretty sure Alara was wearing the last thing we saw her in too. Yeah, that outfit, I think specifically, I remember her wearing when she was in her chair. So yeah, she was wearing that. 
What did you think of the handhold? I liked it. I did too. I don't necessarily think it means lovey-dovey we're back together, but it was that respect and yes. like warmth. Now I'm shipping them really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just enough. Yeah, it was really sweet. That this whole episode just was really sweet. Yeah. So, Katie, what is your big takeaway from this episode? Kind of like this episode, my takeaway is short and sweet because it was just enjoyable to watch this episode. I loved the humor and the lightness that this episode held. So while I was still worrying that something bad might happen, it never did. So then at the end, I felt this warm, cozy feeling when it wrapped. I wonder if you went back and watched it how much more you'd like it knowing that there's no impending doom. Yeah, I think there was a layer of impending doom that I think the combination of knowing it's the finale and then also there's still a lot of conflict that can happen in this universe, a lot of things they could play with. So I think I'm always preparing myself for, uh-oh, what's next? And then that never came. And then the wedding of my dreams finally happens. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing Claire and Isaac get their happy ending Mm -hmm. was really, really enjoyable. And that Isaac arrived at asking Claire to marry him on his own. I just really like how that was written. Like I said, I feel like the whole episode is very sweet. It's just a sweet episode. Just like Dan likes to say sweetness, but also <laughs> just sweet in the sense of there's playfulness between the crew. It was a kind-hearted, warm episode mm -hmm. where I sadly feel like a lot of things got tied together. There is no cliffhanger or, oh my gosh, and then they cut to uh, the credits. Right, right. Which a lot of shows do. And in some ways, I really appreciate that they did that because then I get to walk away feeling complete with this season. This whole season has made me feel satisfied and I'm not leaving. Like, I'm sad the season's over, but I feel satiated. Mm. I'm going to miss it. I really hope that there will be more stories to come because I don't feel like this crew and the people who make the show are done telling stories. I really hope to goodness that they're not. Mm. I guess looking at the show more analytically, getting to see the union in the world through Lysella's eyes was very interesting to me. I loved the commentary about how Sargus Force, similar to Earth, and how you can't introduce future tech into those environments without the right things being set up in place. It's like dominoes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Everything has to be right. And learning about the union and the union's past, I really, really enjoyed. Because I do feel like we haven't gotten a ton of that. And we got mm. to see more about why they do what they do and how the union functions. And Lysella facilitated that. I loved the bit with Bordis and Clyde in the beginning. Their whole relationship this entire episode made me very happy. So I see what you're saying. I want them to be happy too. I really appreciated how supportive Clyden was of Bordis's endeavors. That was just fun to watch. I feel like I'm not manifesting this. I'm just saying it felt like a nice end mm -hmm. to things. And I'm just here hoping, crossing my fingers, praying that there is a season four. Because I really do feel like satisfied from the season, but I really want to see more stories from them. And that's my big takeaway from this episode. What about you, Rob? I like this episode. Mm -hmm. Tonally, it felt like a combination of everything we've seen on the show so far. It was a bit lighter and it had more humor than probably any other episode this season with the Lysella storyline having the social commentary elements that we've also seen throughout the season and throughout a lot of the rest of the show. I'm glad they didn't try to do something with bigger stakes than Domino because that just was not going to happen. I think that after Domino, it would have been a lot to have something equally or bigger than that to end the season. I feel like this is also very Orville style. Like when you look at past seasons, Identity Part 1 and 2 kind mm -hmm. of feels like it would be a season ender, but it's not. And I kind of love that because I think it's so different than most shows, the route that they normally take. Yeah. It's like trying to leave people wanting more and like, I want more, but I didn't need that. I'm holding on to the edge. What's going to happen in nine months? Right, you know, right. But I still want more. But it's because I want more stories, not because they're leaving me hanging. Yeah. 
Like I said before, Majority Rule was my favorite episode from season one, so I was very happy to see an element from that carry over into this season. However, I'm not sure this was the right place for Lysella's story. The social commentary was great. I really enjoyed the discussions they had. But a lot of her story in this episode was an introduction to how the Union and the ship works. And something like that, I feel, would have been great at the beginning of this season for new viewers who are just coming into the series. So if they were just starting off by catching the show on Hulu when they hadn't seen it on Fox, these conversations, this introduction to the Union, how their society works the different parts of the ship. She got like a mini tour of stuff. Mm-hmm. That would have been a great entry point and Lysella acting as the audience seeing things for the first time. Well, I've been watching the show for so long that I was fine with where they placed it, but I can see from like a new viewer perspective, it would have been an entry point for anyone who just was like, what is this about? Do you think most people start on the later season of a show? I think some mainstream people might. Yeah, I'm that person who's like, I gotta start at season one, episode yeah. one. Even still, it feels like a weird thing to do during the last episode of a season. Yeah, I guess I could see that. I just think I enjoyed the commentary so much that I completely didn't even think about that. I was like, this is so interesting because I compare a lot of our reality to what the future reality is. Same, yeah. I know that the writers do do that too. They try to create parallels so we can have reference points and be like, oh, this is definitely talking about this thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this specific episode Lysella came out of nowhere a little bit. I can totally see that. Mm -hmm. But I really like what they did with it. Yeah, I like what they did with it. I just think it belonged somewhere else. But the story in and of itself, I really liked it. Yeah, I guess you could technically pick up Lysella's story and move it to any other episode. Yeah, you could have pulled it out of this episode and it doesn't hurt the episode at all. The rest of the episode was fine with or without it. So I feel like this was maybe something left over that they decided this was the place they wanted to put it. But I don't know. Yeah, it makes me curious. I feel like Lysella is now a part of the union. It's certainly possible. Yeah, I'm really curious to see where she'll end up Mm. in the future seasons. (laughs) (laughs) What I liked most about this episode is also what made me the saddest about it, because this feels very much like a goodbye in the way it's wrapping up several storylines. Claire and Isaac got married. Alara returned for a little reunion. And N. Kelly had a moment that was just enough to where you could extrapolate that into the end of the will they, won't they question. You could say, oh, if we get no more of this, then we can imagine from this point on that Ed and Kelly got back together because they gave us a little hint in that direction. If this is the end, which again, I'm hoping it's not, I do appreciate them addressing everything that they felt like they had time to. It doesn't end every storyline that's been running throughout the course of the series, but that is an impossible task to take care of. But the fact that they got so much done in this one, there are so many shows that leave on a note of not satisfying because there were still too many very important lingering threads. And I feel like if this is the end of this show, then I can be satisfied with what they gave us going out. So on that, I'm very appreciative. Yeah, it does feel kind of like they tied some stuff in a pretty little bow on top. Mm -hmm. I think I'm trying to ignore that. (laughs) I understand. Yeah, like it's one of those things where I I don't want to admit that this was a... I don't even like saying the word. Yeah. But I don't know if I should say it or not. (laughs) See, I feel like we've manifested things and I don't want to put anything bad into the universe. I think that this is a great wrap up to season three. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's many more storylines they can explore in season four. There are. Anaya's still out there. Anaya. What about John and Tala? Mm -hmm. Like, I could go on. Gordon's several bodies that are in different universes, apparently. And they're leaving (laughs) things in a place where they're not definitive. Ed and Kelly holding hands could be addressed as just a caught-in-the-moment type of thing. Listen, the writing is so good at the end of this episode because it could satisfy that sadness of a show ending, Mm -hmm. but it also leaves things open. And that's what I appreciate most about it. Ultimately, in a season of rising tensions, this episode felt like a downbeat. It was a chance to breathe. And that's something I am totally okay with. Like I said, I didn't need the stakes to get even higher than Domino. I appreciate us stepping back 
taking a collective sigh of relief from the nonstop things that we've had going on all season, the heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. I just hope that, like we said, it's not an actual goodbye. And we have many, many more seasons ahead of us. Which we will. The Orville universe is one of my favorites, obviously. And the community behind it is very vocal about how much they love it. Mm -hmm. So whatever the future brings, I think we'll all be ready for. But I know there's a lot of people who would be so excited about more Orville. Two of them right here. Two of them right here. Before we get out of here, we have one more thing to do. Because Katie's husband, Mark, is also a big fan of the Orville. And always leaves us with his one sentence review. If I was in the union, my main contribution would definitely be these reviews, and I would be filthy rich. Quantum Drive is a production of The Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts on The Geek Generation Network at thegeekgeneration.com. If you'd like to support the show and get access to exclusive bonus podcasts along with other perks, you can visit our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can follow Quantum Drive on Twitter at Quantum Drive Pod and me at the Rob Logan. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayKatiePlay and on Twitch at KatiePetersPlays. And Katie is spelled K-A-T-I-E. Please rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we may read your review on an upcoming episode. Finally, questions and comments can be sent to quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. We're out of here for now, but we'll see you soon in, in the, the future. future.